Hello and welcome to Into Your Life podcast. I'm Lenka and I'm joined here by my wonderful co-host Natalie. Hi, we invite you to join our weekly conversations about finding more life in one's life. Well, what does it actually mean? We have discussions with guests about ways to live happier, healthier and more fulfilling lives, both personally and professionally. That sounds great. Let's go. Today we have a wonderful guest. She has flitted in from early morning United States to us here in the UK and the Czech Republic to speak with us about having more life in your life. Now, I've known Cheryl for about just under or over a year and a half. We actually in the same membership group, we have the same coach, and we've just been talking, and then we've talked more. And Cheryl and I have wonderful conversations. We go down rabbit holes. We put the world to rights. And one of the best things is we talk booze. We have tipples while we're talking. We compare booze. But today it's not about the alcohol. Today it's about kayaking. Yes, I mentioned kayaking. It's a wonderful, gray, cold summer's day here in the UK, which means typical summer's day. And we're going to talk kayaking. So I'm really excited to share with our wonderful audience, with you guys, Cheryl's story about kayaking because she's had me on the floor in stitches about her experience last year and this is why I wanted to bring Cheryl on because it is about having different experiences in life. Cheryl has had done amazing things and she will explain them all to you. She will share what it is that she does, some of it you don't want to know everything about Cheryl. It's keep some secrets. But with, with that, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm really excited to share your experiences and your story with your kayak with our audience. So welcome. Say hi and just tell everybody a little bit about who you are, what you do, and etc. Well, <laughs> um, I, I don't know that I can live up to your hype, Nat. That's that's a hell of an introduction. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you. Good morning. And uh, good morning from the U.S. And thank you, Nat and Leica, for having me as a guest. Um, as you said, my name is Cheryl Devon, and I'm, I'm in the middle of the United States here on a very early morning drinking a lot of coffee instead of the bourbon that you and I typically uh, tipple when we're having our philosophical conversations, if you will. Uh, I am the owner and founder of Speaking with Cher. I'm a communication strategist where I customize uh, strategies so that my clients can um, you know, connect their, their voice and their message in a unique way with their audience for, for greater communication impact. Okay, that's the boring detail. Uh, let's see what else. Yes, I'm a kayaker. I'm an endurance kayaker, ultra kayaker, if you will. I'm not terribly fast, but I did complete the world's longest nonstop canoe and kayak river race in the world. And I did that last year, the Missouri River 340, 340 miles across the state of Missouri. It actually starts just on the Kansas uh, side of, of the river. Uh, we share Kansas City is where I'm located in Missouri, and we share a border with the state of Kansas. So even though it says Kansas City, we don't start in Kansas. Well, we do start in Kansas, just not in Kansas City, Kansas. It's very, it's very confusing. United States doesn't make a whole lot of sense with with things. So, um, but we start there and we go across 340 miles across the state of Missouri, and so to give. To give you a little context, it, it's like crossing the width of Cambodia and just, just under Syria, the country of Syria. We do that entire journey on what's considered one of the most dangerous rivers. And we have 86 hours to complete 340 miles. And I think last year, my, my paddle buddy and I did it in 31 hours. And we're, we're looking at doing it again this year. 
we're looking to shave 11 hours off of our time because quite honestly, we're masochistic and we just don't know any better. I love the way you explain it. And um, I I get the, the thrill of why it is that you do. And my, you know, I've done canoeing in South Africa and it's, it's, oh, it's just so great to be on the water. Well, explain what? the explain the 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 thrill of it to me because listen I'm I'm two days post training paddle again and I sometimes I need a reminder <laughs> I'm a sore. Well, this might help you jog your memory. Is what got you onto that kayak in the first place? What drew you to start this crazy journey of kayaking? Mostly stupidity and masochism, I think. But actually, <laughs> so I'm a, I'm I'm a little over fifty. We'll just we'll throw that out there. Now I've, I've got no issue with with telling anybody my age. I'm fifty four, and uh, I went through, and as a kid, I I went through, um, an ankle injury. I had broken an ankle, and unfortunately, when they went to surgically repair it the tending surgeon and his staff of six somehow got the wrong ankle and I had the wrong ankle operated on and they botched up both ankles. So they had told me um, at a very young age at 16 that I probably wouldn't walk very well. I wouldn't be able to do much. Uh, They didn't even know if I'd be able to walk as I got older with arthritis and with the the injuries and such, they didn't know if I'd, I'd actually be able to continue to walk much past my fifties. And I decided that I know. So I retaught myself how to, how to walk and how to feel where my knees popped. Cause I didn't have any, any feeling in the bottom of my feet. They had to cut through some nerves. So running isn't exactly an op- option for me. And I'm, I, I'm a, I'm a little round. <laughs> gotten older I'm I'm kind of like I don't know sort of like a little um if you've seen the movie the original Willy Wonka movie where I think it's it's I think it was Veruca Salt that that puffed up into the blueberry girl yeah imagine that except not purple and with blonde hair that's kind of me so I'm able to I couldn't run and I, I always like to be in the outdoors. I couldn't run anymore. I couldn't, I can't really uh, do the bicycling because I can't find a bicycle seat that doesn't um, insert itself like the onion in the Christmas turkey. So I'm like, what can I do? And I love the water. So when my kids were still young, we had gone on a Hawaiian cruise and my oldest daughter thought it would be fantastic to go out on a sea kayak in Maui. She was all of what, 12 years old and come on, mom, let's go kayak. Okay. Why not? And we got out there and we're checking out sea turtles and we're against the waves and we're doing all this stuff. And I realized, Hey, you know, I can do this. This is kind of fun. So when the cruise was over, we came back home and I started renting just cheap sit on top kayaks to tootle around ponds and lakes. And it was fun. And we, uh, we went on some, some float trips where you basically just, you know, sit on your kayak and you, you float and you have a picnic and you sip and you get sunburned and all that good stuff. And my husband stumbled across this site with all these crazy endurance races. And one of them was the Missouri river 340. And he's like, Hey, we got this long distance kayak endurance race in our backyard. So I looked at him and went, well, I can kayak. I can do that. Why not? <laughs> um, I had no idea what the undertaking actually was. And, uh, but that's, that's where it started. It, I ended up, I got very lucky. I found a great community of paddlers. I found, um, uh, a woman by the name of Stacy Rasco, who was kind enough or dumb enough to take me under her wing and, and train me to read river signs and, and the 
you know, barge traffic, because they don't, they don't shut down the river for this race. I mean, there are, there are barges, tugboats, sand dredgers, there's fishing boats and jet skis all, all on the river, just doing business, taking care of stuff. You, I mean, you can have an oil tanker go through in certain parts. Um, but it took, you know, I, I just was very fortunate to be with a, a group of patient, uh, seasoned, paddlers with a good sense of humor so for two years they trained me it was supposed to be a year I had another setback with an ankle injury but um, two years and we did it last year and lo and behold I made it <laughs> so if, if this old girl can do it I figure anybody can do some do something amazing something fantastic but before we get into some of your experiences of the race is what has, so not counting completing this this endurance um, race that you did last year, but what has kayak kayaking given you over the years? Because as you said, you've had to commit to doing doing this endurance. It's not just as you said, sitting on a paddleboard, sipping something tasty, and getting sunburned. It's actually putting in effort and time and resources and really committing to it but what has kayaking given you in relation to your personal life or in relation to your business how has it helped you how has it added something to your life and I'm not talking about the race itself we'll we'll, we'll get to those stories in a minute I'm keeping the juicy bits for for last but it's it's the build-up so why stick with it why you know, carry on doing it. What has kayaking actually given Cheryl in her soul? For me, kayaking has turned into, it's, it's a, it's sort of a metaphor for life is what it is at this point, because especially when, when you become an adult and you're trying to navigate your way through, where do you go? What are you what are you good at? Where are you going to be successful? What's going to bring you some some peace, happiness, balance into your life? And that's what it it's it's turned into for me. There's there's the days where you know you're gonna to have to put in a lot of hard work and it's it's difficult and you're tired and you don't feel like you can you can keep moving, but you know, you got to get the job done. And so with the kayaking, the, I think the metaphor that I typically use is just keep paddling, just keep paddling. If, as long as you sit your boat in the butt or sit your boat in the butt, no, don't do that. That would be very uncomfortable. Sit your butt in the boat my goodness, let me take another sip of coffee after that one, because that was a faux pas I didn't expect. So, all right, let's see if we can get the brain to function a little better. Again, it is a little early here. As long as you sit your butt in the boat, sometimes as tired as you are, if you just sit there and take one paddle stroke at a time, it doesn't have to be fast. It doesn't have to be strong, just enough to keep the nose pointed in the right direction, the current will take you. You'll, you'll go slower, but in the end, if you don't quit, if you just stay in the boat and dip your paddle in, just, just, just keep paddling, you're going to keep moving forward. You go slow to go fast because if you're tired, you'll stop. And you'll get on the shore and there's a good chance you won't ever pick up the paddle again. So for me, the, the kayaking has become that, that metaphor for just keep going. You, you don't have to be at your best all of the time. You just have to keep moving, just keep paddling. And then it also becomes a, almost a, a meditation for me when I get in that on the water and you're floating and you get into the right groove with your, your paddle stroke. It, it becomes that almost that deep breathing exercise and everything goes away and you you're very aware 
but you're in that that frame of mind where all the thoughts can flow properly and stay streamlined. You're in the channel. You're in the channel both in your thoughts and you're in the channel in on the river. And suddenly you get answers to questions or or you get everything just starts to make sense again. And so for that, it doesn't matter how long you're out, uh, whether it's, you know, 30 minutes to an hour, whether it's a three day power through, you start, things start making sense. You're going to have um, obstacles that come up in your, in your way. And you just have to figure out how to navigate around them. You're going to have times where you're, you're slower than you want. You're going to have crisis situations. It's all a matter of how you react. And as long as you just keep paddling and do the things that it takes to get yourself to the next point, to the next point, to the next point. And that's, that's how I see the kayaking at this point. It's just a metaphor for life. I love how you, you say it's just one, almost one stroke at a time, one paddle at a time, just slowly moving forward. It's not about getting there in a hurry. It's, it's just about moving forward, doing it or keep going. And I'm just trying to picture when you decide to go for a paddle, you've got to pack your kayak because I'm assuming you don't leave it in the boot of your car. You've got to, you know, pack your paddle. You've got to actually drive to where you're going, then unload, get it into the water, get yourself into water. So it's not just like putting on a pair of running shoes and out the front door and off you go. It it does need some sort of planning to get there because then you need to give yourself the time as well to to be on the water, to to do it. And this takes quite a commitment. But I'm sure that as you've been building it and doing it, it becomes a habit almost, almost like you need your kayak fix in order to keep going. Does this make sense to you or am I just totally off on the? (laughs) No, you're, you're completely, you're completely in the zone on this one. You're, you're hundred percent correct. Again, it goes back to sort of that, that life metaphor that I have with the kayaking, whatever you do, whether you are, you know, in a, in a business, whether it's your own or someone else's, you have a job to do. And you have to know what you're doing. Now you're going to learn more efficient and effective ways of doing it as you go, but you got to start somewhere. Same thing with your personal life, that it works a little better when you have have a plan. Now go with the flow, much like with the kayaking, you go with the flow, but you do need to have, have certain things in place. For example, it, I went, what, two days ago did a training run, uh, 37 miles for, cause you know, I'm a heathen U S and we're not using metric, but 37 miles. I had to consider what sort of, what sort of needs I was, I was going to have. It was a 90 degree Fahrenheit day with a lot of humidity. So I had to prepare for that. Did I have the right sun gear, the hat, you know, you have to wear long sleeves and, and pants, or you are going to look like, um, you know, a Cajun fried shrimp by the time you're finished between this. Yeah, you actually will with all the, the sand and the mud and the, the sun. I had to think about what my water needs were. I also had to think about uh, electrolytes because with all the sweat and this, you know, the sunscreen and everything else, it doesn't matter how much water you drink. It, I mean, it, it matters. But you've got to also get some electrolytes in you because you're going to sweat all of those those out. You're going to end up cramping or exhausted or, you know, throwing up. Nobody, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. You have to think about your caloric needs because we burned, goodness, how many hours? We did just under, just under six hours for 37 miles. It was a, it was a slow, hard day. A lot of strong headwinds. So we burned a little over 3000 calories and you, you got to eat something. You've got to be able to figure out how to uh, 
pack enough without it being too heavy, but still enough where you're, you're able to take care of your hydration and caloric needs. You've got to have your, your bag with the sunscreen and with the anti-chafing because you'll be torn up after, you know, after 20 miles, your shirts and your PDFs, your, your life vest will start to rub in ways you did not expect. You want to make certain that your clothing has flat seams. Um, then I've got, uh, it's an 18 foot long kayak. There is no way that I can pick this thing up and, and do it myself. It's, it's a rather heavy one as well. So then you've, you've got to rely on someone else to help you load it. You've got to rely on someone to help you unload it and get it. You have to rely on somebody to pick you up at the end of where you're going. So that's the teamwork aspect of things that you also have to uh, take into account in both your personal and professional lives. So you're seeing you're seeing how everything is sort of interrelated. And if, if you get into that mindset of, I'm going to go have fun, but there's there's a certain set of steps in order to ensure your success. When you, when you get into that kind of a routine and a mindset, you can apply it to your personal and professional lives too. You want maximum enjoyment. You want maximum success. A little careful planning, making sure you've got what you need is going to ensure maximum enjoyment and maximum success. So the, the parallels there are it just everything... Everything is connected for me with it. I love how many metaphors you're already bringing from your kayaking to your life and to your business. I absolutely love your, as you were saying about knowing where you start and knowing where you end and knowing what your needs are. Because it's something that when in business or I'm a marketer in marketing, we say, well, you have to have a strategy, you have to have a plan. Everyone's just like, oh, I hate these things. But in practice, it doesn't need to be something that's so overwhelming and it doesn't have to be a 50 page long document but it really needs to be understanding where am I right now where am I heading and what do I need in between and what has to happen in between there and I absolutely love how you explain it in the perspective of kayaking be the practice obviously going into talking now a little bit more about the race because I would love to hear a little bit more about your experience of the race your experiences of you know what was the things that you kind of did not expect to learn from the race. It's kind of, for me, usually when it comes to physical challenge, you're things that you expect you're going to learn and you're going to experience. And there are these things that come at you out of nowhere. And you're like, huh, this is a new one. Where do I even start with that one? There, yeah, uh, with the race. What, oh my goodness. The first, I think the the biggest the biggest thing that I learned during that racing experience was there's always more in the tank than you think. Halfway through the second day, I was ready to quit. I wasn't making the times that I wanted to have. I was pushing. I was a mess. I was hurting. I have some autoimmune issues that come into play. And I was struggling and it, it was, I was so focused on, I have to hit this time. I have to hit this time. I have to hit this time that I forgot to be in the moment and experience what was happening and enjoy it. And I think that happens to us too often in general in life. And it wasn't until my kayak buddy, um, He's also my, my podcast partner, Kip looked at me and he said, what the hell are you looking to do? This is your first time. And what are you going to remember about this experience that you didn't get to the checkpoint at the time you wanted? You, you aren't engaging with anyone. You aren't taking in the sights. Look around you there's, there's a bald eagle over here. Have you looked at the bluffs? When you and I go out to practice, you're laughing and having fun. What is wrong with you? And it was about that time that the switch flipped in my head. I don't, 
I wasn't going to, to take top honors or break any speed records. I knew that going in, but I sure wanted to finish. And it was my first time. Why am I not taking a look around me and actually enjoying the experience and, and, and bringing those memories back with me? Why am I not in the moment? The second that he, that switch flipped, everything became so much easier. You know, I, I wasn't so focused on the problem I had and how I needed to get there. I was, I was in the middle of, oh my gosh, here I am right now. And here's what's happening. This is fun. It also made me better when we had a situation like um, we had a barge come up on us and, you know, where do you go? Where, so you don't get run over because they can't exactly turn on a dime or stop or, or whatever. And they have the right in the channel. So you've got to figure out where you're going and how you're going to handle it. Are you stopping? Are you going to ride the waves? Any of that. So you become, when you get more in, in the moment that way, you're better prepared to handle anything unexpected that's going to come your way. So we got into that and then, and everything was fine. Even when I got stung by the bee, I got stung by a, a wasp out of nowhere and I'm allergic to bee stings. And it was right after that, that conversation that I had with Kip that this bee stung me and I'm like, son of a gun. And he's like, so what do we do? And I said, well, if I stop breathing, my EpiPen is in the bag right here. Just take that sucker out on cap it and shove it into my right thigh. And he goes, and then what? And I said, well, then we keep paddling. And if I, as long as I breathe, we can just keep going or just, you know, point the kayak to the next place and I'll drift across the line eventually. Uh, shortly after that, so I had this baseball sized welt on my shoulder and I'm still paddling, did not need the EpiPen, thank God, because I think the adrenaline was going enough. We got it out, but the sun was starting to set over some of the river bluffs and it was beautiful. And we were laughing and joking too, that there's little caves in the cliffs that perhaps Bigfoot lived along the Missouri river. You know, I, I think it's per perfectly plausible. Sun started going down and hundreds of bats came pouring out of this, this cave. Now, normally I would freak the living, you know, daylights out. All I could think of was, I hope they eat that wasp. That was my only, my only thing. I, I hope the first one that they eat is that wasp. And I'm pretty sure they got them because there must've been two, 300 bats. And I felt like Batman. The, in that the Christian Slater version of Batman, where all the, the bats come flying up around him as a kid, I felt the same way. And it it turned into something magical because you have the full moon coming up over the trees. Everything is has the sun. You watch the sunset, the moon's coming up. And the only thing you see are little teeny tiny uh, green and red navigation lights. You don't want full lights on while you're doing nighttime paddling because it will blind you and you can't see what's going on. So you wait for the moon to come up and you could feel the wind and the tips of these little bat wings touching your hat or whatever. Not one of us, not one of us got hit by a single bat. They are amazing. They are such amazing creatures. They can't see what's in front of them. They're using, you know, they're using the forest as far as I'm concerned. And that's kind of how I felt in that moment being present right there. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't see where I'm going either. But yet I kind of know, and I have my GPS. So I, I can figure out where the channel is and pretty much avoid everything. And if they can do it, I can do it. So we just kept going. And it, it, it when you get into being right there in the moment, the, the bigger problem kind of goes away. You start finding different solutions and it, it becomes fun. It, I mean, you, you're going to hurt, you're going to have challenges, but you're still going to enjoy the ride. And that I would, I would have missed that completely if I had just kept in that mindset of, I, I have to get to the next place. I have to get to the next. I have to get to, I have to No, I get to enjoy this right now and I'll eventually get there. That's, that was the biggest thing I took away from the race that, and there are seven layers of stench, but that's a whole whole other issue. So it, that it's, it's disgusting. It really and truly is disgusting, but so much fun. 
when it comes to a challenge like this, obviously there's one experience in the moment that you just describe where you can get how you can learn to appreciate and retrust yourself. But I know even my experience of hiking and I usually tend to hike alone and I tend to not plan much my hike. I plan the bare minimum, but not much. And from moments when you get to a cliff edge in a pouring rain and you're on a kind of pushing your physical limits that you haven't seen a human being in three hours and you're in the middle of nowhere and your phone is dying. So thinking like, was this a great idea? Was it not? But for me, the biggest lesson I've learned from these physical challenges has been that nothing else then really matters. It's often reminding myself of like in life, we get so often frustrated and we feel anxious and we are afraid and we are in panic because of small things, like be it about the business finances, be it about the marketing, be it about what will the person think about us. And in these moments, I really realized that in these moments when physically things could have gone really, really, really wrong and I was really, really pushing to the edge, I was absolutely fine. Like I was fine. I was in the zone. I was in the moment, in the present moment, really paying attention to the details and really taking this lesson to then when I feel the anxiety coming because of speaking in public or doing things like that, to be like, remember that feeling on the top of a mountain when you were very anxious and adrenaline were rushing but at the same time were so calm and at peace so are there any lessons like this that you took away into your daily lives and it really helped you overcome something that usually would maybe throw you off you would be afraid of you would avoid doing then to be like oh no wait a minute i've done this in this physical sense in the kayaking experience let me tap into that experience that feeling that notion i'm actually Going through a situation like that right now, I've got um, I've got a, a couple of, of things on the, the personal front with my children that I'm working through, uh, two different experiences. And over the past few days, you catch yourself going, I can't do this anymore. I, I don't I don't have it in me to keep all the plates juggling. I I don't have the mental fortitude, the emotional strength. I don't even have the the physical endurance to get this done. And then you, and you're, and you're ready to just give up. And I will sit back and pull from this, this experience, this race where, like you said, when you're hiking, you, you get into areas where, you know, your phone's dying, you don't have coverage, pour down rain, you're, you know, not at the the summit. We have a lot of hours where we're by ourselves too, with no coverage. My phone dying or overheating. It heck, it overheated um, two days ago, and it was on like I don't know ten percent or something. It was going to die. And you you start you start thinking about when you at least when you're on the river and you're in the moment. You're you're not overwhelmed by the big the big picture you know that so long as as you stick with your plan that you made that basic plan you already know it's it you're going to keep moving you're go, you're going to keep moving stay in the boat you're going to keep moving keep your eyes open just keep paddling just keep paddling you can't you can't predict the what ifs or they could or the could haves I like to call them the could-haves. Uh, what could have happened to you? You're you're just you're in the moment. You're working on the plan, and it's that one little piece. And Linka, I would I would guess you would agree that when you get to the end, when you get to the summit, it it sort of is it is it's almost a surprise. It just appears out of nowhere, and you're like, wait, how did I get here already? How did this happen? I'm I'm here. How did I get here? And you've gone through, you know, all of this different, this different stuff and all of these, these different challenges. And then you're finally there. It surprises you. And what's that feeling you get when you're finally at the top at your summit and you're looking over and it's, it's the most amazing thing. 
you've seen and you're you're overwhelmed with great feeling. It's the same way at the end of this race. You're overwhelmed with great feeling. You didn't know it was as close that 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 finish was as close as as it was. And it's that way. It's that way when you go through your own personal stuff that I keep reminding myself through this that the finish line is probably closer than than I realize. I just got to get through this night paddle and some of this fog. Um, I've got to get around this this wing dike. Oh, I know what to do with, if a barge is coming. I get it. I totally know what I need to do. I need to slow down and, and not push it. It's like if you push against the current, you're not going to get very far. You're going to tire yourself off out and you're in, in trouble. You fight against, um, we have the little whirlpools in the water that'll spin you around. If you, if you fight it, you're likely going to flip. So just slow down and take it easy. You might go a little off track, but it's better to go a little off track and correct and get back and finish than to keep fighting so hard and you make a mistake. And so for me with the, the personal challenges I'm going through right now, I, I can't, I can't, you know, fight everything. So I'm just readjusting where I'm going, my, my tracking, I'll, I'll course correct, but I slowed down and I'm just sort of letting the river, the current take me. I'm not going to uh, paddle against the current and eventually I'll find that, that end. And when it gets there, it's, it's amazing in, in life in kayaking and business, just slow down to go fast and, and stay, keep your butt in the boat, not the other way around. And what really struck me, it's the whole concept of even if you have a plan and you know what destination you're heading into, there's so many variables that you really don't know how far close to you at any point you might be. You know that you're moving towards the destination. And I think in life, it happens so often that we really don't know where the end destination is going to be like there's so many variables so we get so overwhelmed by paying attention to every little thing that's coming at us rather than as i said really focusing on only the things that i have to control that i have planned for and they're really important in this moment the thing for me on the hikes there you know there's no point of worrying about other things other than one foot after the other obviously checking up on my vitals and checking if i'm not falling off but then it's so interesting on the hikes, if you do a linear hike up and back, it's the way back is just so much faster because you already know the path. You already know. And I can I cannot wait for you to experience the race again and be able to come back and come with fresh new ideas of how it was the second time around because you already know a little bit more. You have more milestones you have more checkpoints in your mind they're like oh yeah i remember last time here i was really struggling that's fine i'm struggling last time around here you know it was very easy peasy this was a tricky part and i think in life it's the same that we do need to keep an eye on certain milestones and checkpoints to really appreciate and celebrate how far we've come even though we don't necessarily know how long and how difficult and how far our actual destination is, be it, you know, relationship, weight loss, finances, marketing, whatever it is. Well, and I find that once you've done it before, you know, just, just Natalie and I have, she mentioned that we have the same coach and, and one of his, his favorite things to say is launch and adjust. And in this case, it, it truly is a launch and adjust sort of a thing in this kayak race. Um, but once you've got that initial one and done out of the way, you know what to look for based on your own experiences. Now, some people will ask, well, you've done it once. Why would you do it again? The experience is going to be, although it's the same race and you're going to be in the same, same places and you, you know what to expect from the year before, at least, you know, for, based on, on what happened then it's, it's not the same the experience is not going to be exactly the same. Uh, you're going to have variables in, in the weather. You're going to have variables in boat traffic. Um, you know, out of, out of nowhere, you may have a rudder 
cables snap and you've got to do the repairs along the way. And how do you, how do you go ahead and steer when you don't have a rudder? You know, one of those kind of things, the whole experience, everything is going to be different. And I, I'm looking forward to being able to see and compare. I'm going to be better prepared because I've done it before, but I, I can't wait to see the little, the little differences. Do we get a little bit faster time? Chances are, oh yeah, we're going to be a little better because we're better. We're better experienced. We've, we've gone through that one situation before. So you've got something to keep building on. And I, I, I think a lot of times now with, you know, all the chaos that's happened around us over the past few years, we've forgotten that we can still, we can go back to past experiences. We can build and and go back and and get us through a lot you know there's there's so many there's so many people that are struggling right now with so many different things trying to get back on track if if you would just stop remember we've we've done some of this stuff before maybe maybe you had to put it on pause for a couple of years but you've done this before going back into how things are right now build on it's not going to be the exact same experience but you know how to do this you really do and you've got you still have your game plan now you can you can tweak it you can adjust it but it's still there you've got a firm foundation or an anchor or a rudder or or you know hiking cleats i don't know if that's the right terminology for for some of the the footwear i don't know i'm not a hiker but just just build on your past experience. And if you don't have an experience to build from, find that one person you know and trust that has been through it to help guide you a little bit. Find your, your coach, your mentor. I had to find one before I got, I didn't even know how to paddle correctly. So it's, again, you've got that, that comparison where kayaking is life. <laughs> We've gone really nicely into how kayaking has helped you, how, you know, through your experiences with kayaking has helped with life, with business, or life and business have helped with kayaking. But now I want you to get into some of the experiences, some of the real fun stuff. Now, no, you mentioned, you dropped that hint of the seven layers of stench, and that that has to come out. But just share the, the experiences that you've had because you've shared some amazing stories with me. And I know there was one with the, with the clouds and, and the, I think it was the moon and that. So please share these type of stories that or experiences that you wouldn't have had unless you were on that kayak. And yes, let our audience know what is the seven layers of stench you know, by the time I'm done explaining it, you'll likely be able to smell it through your speakers. So um, women have a very interesting challenge during the race. And the fact that you often not only should you not pull over because of, of time, you, you need to be going a certain pace to finish the race and not only can you not always pull over um for time reasons but sometimes there just really is no place along the river to pull over and that makes for interesting um personal hygiene you have to learn we don't we don't have the same ease that the gentlemen have in taking care of bodily functions with a bottle. So we have to become uh, very innovative, shall we say? You have to, how do, how do I say this delicately? You have to learn how to pee in the boat. And so you come up with different contraptions and you look for different ways and, and such. Um, some ladies I know, if they're on a surf ski, they just go right in the boat. It drains out the bottom and they just, you know, slop a little water, river water in and 
clean up. Um, your clothing is an issue. In order to perform this correctly, um, one of the things that that we do is we have to open up the um, the nether region of our tights in order to more easily get to some of the contraptions and what have you. I <laughs> that's made for an interesting thing when you get up super early and you're going to get a pedicure and you put on the wrong pair of pants and you don't know it in the dark. Um, that made that makes for an interesting pedicure for my uh, nail tech. Uh, thank God she had a towel ready. But it also makes for a challenge when you're getting in and out of the boat and you are with 600 paddlers, uh, most of which are men. And you're on the water and you need to take care of business. So there's there's certain etiquette. You There's certain ways to do it so you can stay exposed yet covered up, especially when you're getting up out of your boat so that, you know, the all your ground crew people aren't going, oh, peep show. Um, when you're paddling, I learned day one that. A, don't paddle up. If, if you see somebody in the middle of the water and it looks like their boat is completely turned around and they're hunched over, they're not having a coronary. It's not a, a cardiac event. They're trying to take care of business. And guys, guys don't perform well when some woman paddles up and goes, hey, what you doing? That, it tends to disrupt the flow. So I, I learned check verify first you know hey all good buddy okay cool see ya and you pat turn your eyes and paddle away i've also learned um what you cover up your um crotchless tights with makes a huge difference i thought i had the loosest bottom shorts and i didn't and i couldn't get things squared away properly and you end up peeing on yourself. Now this is day one of a, what turned out to be an 81 hour float for me. It is the middle of August with 90 or July with 90 degree heat plus and the sun beating down on you. This was day one. And there aren't showers because you don't, you don't really sleep. You stop somewhere at a certain time and you get maybe three, four hours of sleep and then you get back on the water. Most of these places are very rudimentary campsites. They aren't equipped with running water. It's portalettes. There are no showers, none. Now, so you can change clothing. You can, you know, get the oversized adult baby wipes and, and do the best that you can. But ultimately, you still have peed on yourself. So by the time we got to day two and three quarters, we made a stop. Um, I had already got the nickname of Stinky by the time we got there, Princess Stinky. We got to a place where they actually had running water and I was ecstatic. No showers, but at least, you know, indoor plumbing for restroom issues and, and washing off. And I went into the ladies' room and the horse flies were terrible and they were biting everyone. Except for me, they would land near me. They would not land on me. When you wash your hands and the, the scented soap that smells like your 90-year-old great-grandmother is, is the greatest thing you've smelled in 48-plus hours, and you want to keep that scent on your muddied, dirty, river water, uh, taped-up hands, and you just periodically sniff it, that's, you know, you're, you've quickly hit into the seven layers of stench that we did not know were humanly possible until this event. By the time we got to our stop for the night, there was a, a place open called Paddle Stop in New Haven, Missouri. Great place. And they do have showers at, at New Haven. They're in this concrete building next to a train station next to the river with a uh, lot of spiders and stuff in it. It's an outdoor public shower. 
we walked in, we decided we would get something cold to drink in paddle stop before we stopped down, stopped down, stopped down, like to try to sleep for a couple of hours. So we walked in and as I walked in, everyone went, Ooh, and it wasn't because of the way I looked. It was my scent arrived before I did. And I looked at them and I said, do I need to go hit the shower first before I come back and get a drink? They said, no, you can, you can stay, but you can't sit in front of the big fans. And I'm like, okay. And I started to sit in front of the big fans and they went, no, we're serious. You have to not be in front of the fan at all. So I had my beverages on the other side of the fan for the sake of the other racers. And then I took the greatest shower of my life, which was with three spiders in a concrete block public shower. And it was, it was the best shower I've ever had in my life. Before we got there, uh, that stretch between where the flies wouldn't land on me and, and the showers, there was a stretch that my, uh, my paddle partner, Kip and I looked at where we didn't know where we were. It was like going through a, uh, a portal almost there were things there that we couldn't explain formations in the trees there were fires burning on a sandbar next to a building where I went back in the day and they weren't there and we don't know what it was but the one experience that we had was we jokingly call our group the abrasive carp paddling club and there's a whole long story behind that that I, I won't get into here but we were, we were paddling and it was, the moon didn't come up. It stayed behind the trees and behind clouds and it was very dark. And it was, it's a dangerous stretch because there's a lot of wing dikes and sandbars. And we never knew if a barge was going to come around the corner. It's a very windy area. For an hour, we thought we were paddling in a circle and that we had ended up in some sort of a lake. Um, I was really watching our navigational tool because we couldn't see he did have a spotlight flashlight because there was a lot of storm debris so there were trees and everything else in the water that we we didn't want to run into nor you know the buoys we so he was he was looking directly in front of us and I was watching the GPS and navigating through and it it got very harrowing, harrowing and and taxing we finally came out of that area. The moon finally came up and we could see. And we both kind of took a sigh, you know, of relief. And Kip looked up into the night sky. It finally was the clouds had passed. And he looked up in the night sky and he said, do you see that? And I looked up and I went, you mean the perfectly formed skeletal carp above us? And he goes, oh, my God, you see it, too, with the waves. And we both started describing at the same time. We refer to it as the celestial carp because that was our omen for the abrasive cup club or abrasive carp paddling club. But honest to God, in the sky, the, the clouds had formed what looked like a perfectly formed curved fish, skeletal with the fins, everything jumping out of what looked like little waves jumping out of the way it was perfectly formed in the clouds and we both saw the exact same thing I, I don't know how many times you'll look at a cloud formation and you'll see the same thing as the person next to you you start this was perfectly formed and that was that was the sign I had been looking for that a we're going to make this we're going to be able to finish this but b I had been struggling for two months trying to figure out who my my podcast partner was going to be and I was going back to um, some of the people I knew when I used to work within the commercial radio industry doing morning shows. And I, I was struggling to find the right partner. And suddenly I just looked over and we had been cutting up the whole time. I mean, we're, we're like the Beavis and Butthead of the river. And I sort of looked at him after that and went, oh my gosh, my partner's been here the whole time. He has zero experience. He has no but we have the rapport and he's funny. And I went, I can, why am I struggling? I can do all the behind the scenes thing to, 
things to make it work. I need that one person that I can banter with that the chemistry is terrific and it, it becomes entertaining. He's educated and it's funny. So the celestial carp experience was, was a lot of different things for me that way too. You get those magical experiences, but if you're not paying attention, you're too busy, go, go, go. And all you see is the end. You're going to miss things like that. So yeah, we, we had, it, you hallucinate. We were not, we were not imbibing that that's frowned upon during the race. So we, no, we were not imbibing. We, we didn't have some weird, you know, drunken vision or anything like that. Um, but, but we did have that. We, it, it's, I don't know how you would hallucinate the same thing. So we're, we're very unsure. We're going to do a night paddle there again, a couple of times and see if we can figure this out. Cause we don't, we don't know what it was. We just know we had the experience. I, I love that. I love those two stories. I just, um, yeah, they, they, they just great stories. And I gather that kayaking, especially an endurance race like that is not for the faint hearted. It's not, um, you've got to deal with being under seven layers of stench and deal with accidents that happen in the boat because for whatever reason it does happen and just deal with it. Just keep going. Like you said, you can wash it out. It's, it's, it's not. The, the only thing I don't, the only thing I don't recommend is um, you can pee in your boat, but one of the other rules, you don't ever do the other that there's no coming back from that. You just sell the boat, burn the boat at that point. And, you know, there's, there, there are, there are certain laws. I call them laws, rules, whatever. Um, that you you should follow don't die and you don't do the other in the boat in that order those are the two most important rules um but yeah there's <sighs> yeah it's you you take care of your business i i'm trying to remember where i was going with this i get so bonkers all the time if you're not in if you're not in that moment, you're going to miss all of it. You're going to miss it all. You don't have to have all the answers. You just experience it and go from there. And I, I love your your rules. And but I think it it is just about being human. It's about being human, hmm. and with all the situations of whether you're a female or a male, and how you take care of bodily functions and and that is I guess this this is what doing an endurance race I is remember about. I remember where I was going with this um I have people ask me how I managed to finish that race because I'm mid-50s I'm as round as I am tall and I have a lot of autoimmune issues and, and some different health challenges that are improving, but you know, you, you still have them. And I didn't really, I didn't really train it. Like, you know, there's, there's people that are in the gym every day training and they're, they're worrying about their, their proper nutrition. You know, I'm like, Hey, I need a bag of Fritos and a, a you know, beef summer sausage stick sandwich. That's what I need. And people are like, no, how do you do that? I'm like, I don't know. Redneck training, I guess. But people ask, you know, what, what's your training regimen? You must be in really great shape. I don't know. I'm not, I, the secret of, of success with an endurance race is it's more mental toughness than it is physical training because if somebody like me can finish and, and only, I would say anywhere from 25 to 50% of the people that start the race will never finish. And that's every year, depending on, on weather conditions and such. And some of those people are some of the most well-trained athletes I've ever seen. You might consider them to be elite status athletes and they won't finish that race. And yet here I come 
and I get it done. And it comes down to that mental toughness because like I said, you're, you're going to, as long as you stay in the boat and you dip your paddle in here and there, you're going to keep moving. It's having the, the fortitude to stay in the boat and dip that paddle when things are, are tough to, to know that if you slow down, you will go faster because you won't stop which is more than what that, when I say go slow to go fast, that's what I mean. When you stop, you're not going anywhere. You're going to get there faster so long as you don't stop. And it, it becomes a mental endurance. I don't know if I'm, if I'm just stupid and stubborn. I don't know if, you know, I, I just have that, I don't have that gene in me that, that quits. Even if I'm not going to succeed, I don't want to quit. I want to keep moving. And that's how you, that's how you succeed with an endurance race. And you need to remember that life is an endurance race. It's not a sprint. It's an endurance race. So you, you build up the way you build up that mental toughness is just go out and do something. You don't have to be the best at it. You don't have to be the fastest. You, you may not even succeed. I mean, day one with with my training is I needed to learn how to get in the boat without falling over. I didn't know how to paddle it. You'll build on it. It all, it all goes back to that, that layering piece that where you build upon launch and adjust, launch and adjust. And as you're, you're launching and adjusting and building your plan, you're also building your mental toughness. And so if, if you can, if you can stick it out, that's the secret. That's the secret to finishing an ultra endurance race and life is the ultra endurance race. I think that this is a perfect kind of a lead towards the end of our conversation because you've wrapped it up so nicely in that we all are actually the same. If we look at it, we all have unlimited potential, but what is different is what results we get. And the difference in our results often come down to our mindset, to the things that you touched on, to just do it, start now and continue slowly. Like just let the momentum, the flow, the pace of life carry you forward without necessarily pushing or pulling or forcing something or grasping because all these energies often take us away from the flow and from the journey so i think this is such a beautiful way to wrap it up but before we let you go i still have a few kind of closing questions and one of them is is there something that you would really wanted to share with our listeners as the biggest or the most important or the most fun whichever way you choose to interpret it a uh, piece of advice, you know, be it from your kayaking journey, be it from anything else that you've experienced in your life that you haven't had a chance to touch on during our conversation. The the two biggest things that when I just try to wrap up the whole kayaking life perspective uh, in a nutshell is is just just keep paddling and there's always more in the tank than you think. What you believe about yourself, nope. There's when, when you're put in a position where you don't have a choice, there's always more in the tank than you think. If you can turn that into something that you are aware of consciously, that there's always more in the tank, you can pull it out of you. Even, even if it isn't a, a, I don't have any other choice. You can flip that switch in your brain and you can, you can still push through. You can, you can do it without pushing against the current. If, if you just choose to go with the flow of things, even when you, you think you're done, you can't do this, just keep paddling. There's always more in the tank than you think. I love that. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here with us and sharing, you know, so openly and with such energy and light, all your experiences and journeys and you know, lessons from there and if our listeners really resonated with anything that you said and like, I need more of this amazing lady in my life. I need more of her energy and wisdom, be it on the business side or be it on the 
just simply personality, fun character type of um, spectrum. Where can people find you? We're at all the links that you share in the show notes, but where is the best place for people to follow you and have a look at what else you're up to? Well, you can find me at Speaking with Share, and you can find that on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, that's, uh, you know, Cheryl Devon on LinkedIn. Uh, you can always, I, I tell you, I answer all of my emails personally. So if you, you know, send me an email at share at speakingwithshare.com, I'm, I'm happy to go ahead and touch base. Uh, I talk a little bit about this experience. I've got a book called The Frog in Your Throat, and that's on uh on Amazon or at the website, frogandyourthroat.com. You can find me in any of those places. And I am, I, I'm happy to answer any questions and chit chat with you about, you know, if you're interested in kayaking or if you're just interested in the experience, I'm, I'm pretty open and available. Amazing. I think that I must thank you for this wonderful hour or so that you spent with us just inspired us either be to start kayaking or figure out whatever our alternative of kayaking is but just put ourselves out there try new things see that we are really limitless and have fun be in the present moment enjoy it huge thanks to our listeners for listening and if you have any questions or if you listeners have any experiences that you would love to share with us that in, that maybe Cheryl has inspired you or have been on something similar, have done something crazy like that, then please do let us know. We would love to hear your experiences as well. And that's it from us today. And we're looking forward to hearing you again soon. If you enjoyed listening to our conversation, please share it with your friends and colleagues and don't forget to subscribe. We would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and write a short review.